Hello, my name's Florence. Welcome to the OBS pod. I'm an NHS obstetrician, hoping to share some thoughts and experiences about my working life. Perhaps you enjoy Call the Midwife, maybe birth fascinates you, or you're simply curious about what exactly an obstetrician is. You might be pregnant and preparing for birth. Perhaps you work in maternity and want to know what makes your obstetric colleagues tick, or you want some fresh ideas and inspiration. Whichever of these is the case, and for that matter, anyone else that's interested, the OBSPOD is for you. Episode 114. Age. One of the reasons I'm talking about this today is there's been a recent Twitter thread and discussion about the language we sometimes use in relation to the age of a pregnant woman. There are some quite offensive terms that were being discussed. Amongst them, elderly, geriatric and advanced. Today I'm going to discuss if the age at which a woman becomes pregnant is important and if so, why? And what age are we talking about anyway? When I started in obstetrics, the cutoff for what we would categorise as an older mother was 37. I don't think this was for any particular reason other than the fact that this was when the chance of a baby with Down syndrome, which increases with maternal age, was equal to the chance of a miscarriage if we performed an invasive test to check the baby's chromosomes. I'm not going to delve into this whole screening process because I've discussed this in my episode on ethics. So you can go back and listen to that if you want more detail on that. 37. Looking back at that, that doesn't seem particularly old now. As I've mentioned in some of my other episodes, the average age at which women are pregnant in the UK is getting gradually older. It's now around the age of 30. And as the average age has moved, our categorisation of risk or the age that we're concerned about an increased chance of complications either for the mother or baby has moved along with it. We now use a cutoff of 40 to tailor some of our care and recommendations. And age is a funny one, really. Yes, of course, there is something about age itself. But I'm sure many of you appreciate that age can be quite a blunt tool with which to assess someone's general health. I don't know if any of you listening had a Wii console to play games. My kids did. And one of the things we fit the game would attempt to do was assess your fitness age. We used to try it out with the kids and fall about laughing at what age the computer algorithm would assign us in comparison to our actual age. We'd puff up with pride if it thought we were younger and be deeply offended if it thought we were older. In the same way, Not all women of the same age behave in the same way in pregnancy. 
Some will be fit, healthy individuals with no underlying health conditions, good diet and exercise habits. Others may have had to overcome health challenges, anything from a chronic health condition or be overweight or struggle with alcohol or smoking habits. As life expectancy improves in the general population, it's probably no wonder that we're seeing fitter, healthier people in their 40s than we did before. Sometimes you hear people talk about 60 being the new 40. So yes, age can be important, but it's a typical case of the difficulty of extrapolating population evidence and applying it to individual situations. And just like many things in obstetrics or medicine, it's once again one of those kind of arbitrary cutoffs. We have to take a point somewhere to start trying to give recommendations. If you look at recent UK data, then age does continue to be an important factor when you look at stillbirth. And this is the background for guidance around induction of labour at 40 weeks for women in their 40s or above, rather than at a later point in time. Looking at the 2020 data, women over 40 continue to have the highest rate of stillbirth in the population. That's 5.5 per thousand, in contrast with the overall numbers of 3.8 per thousand. However, interestingly, the second highest rate is in women in the 20 to 24 age bracket, 4.5 per thousand, in contrast to previous data sets where stillbirth rates have always been highest in the over 40s and the under 20s, so the two extremes of age. So if you think about age alone and the risk of stillbirth alone, the ideal time to have a baby is between 25 to 35 years old. But this is just one complication, albeit obviously a very severe one. How do we look at the guidance of what we should be offering women who are over 40? The guidance isn't very easy to follow because it's kind of scattered around and you have to dig a little bit if you want to find it. There isn't a national guideline of what to do with a woman over 40. You have to look at the guidance on routine antenatal care and various complications that are more prevalent in women that are older and then you find the detail. So if you look at routine antenatal care guidance, a click will take you through to tell you that a woman over 40 is counted as being at a moderate risk of preeclampsia and that therefore taking 75 to 150 milligrams of aspirin once a day from 12 weeks until the birth of her baby is advisable. Then a separate guideline, which I mentioned in my episode on blood clots, adds that being over 35 years old is a risk factor for blood clots. Then you've also got to add in being over 40 as a major risk factor for a small for gestational age baby requiring serial growth scans in the green top guidance from the RCOG. So many of us will start a woman on aspirin and 
perform some additional growth scans, perhaps at 28 or 36 weeks, even if there are no other risk factors, if a woman is over 40. Some of these recommendations can be really baffling and strange for women, especially if they're having a second or subsequent baby. They may have had one child in their late 30s and are having another pregnancy in their early 40s. It can seem totally crazy to them to change what we do and what we offer them simply because they've got one to two years older in the meantime between pregnancies. So I like to think of 40 or early 40s as a kind of bit of a grey area. Yes, there are some increased risks and obviously we need to take those stats about stillbirth very seriously. But a lot of what we do should be more based on the general health of the woman than her age alone. But then we come to the realms of what's called very advanced maternal age. And this is now defined as more than 45 years old. This may sound extreme, but I can tell you we're seeing increasing numbers of pregnancy in women over 45 years of age. There was a great article published in the Obstetrician and Gynaecologist, one of our continuing professional development journals about very advanced maternal age, women over 45. I've linked to this article in the programme notes. For those of you that are health professionals, you hopefully should be able to access it through your library or professional bodies. Unfortunately, it's not completely open access, which is annoying when I want to be able to link women to this information too but I'm going to try and give you a little taste of what it says. The first thing to consider is that the number of births are increasing. In 2018, there were 2,366 live births to women aged 45 years or older in England and Wales. And this is in comparison to 1,619 births in 2008. Then they've focused in on women who are 48 years or more. Yeah, I know, 48. This is becoming a not uncommon issue, either in clinic or on the labour ward. Around half of the women that fit into this category are having their first baby, or possibly I should say babies, because multiple pregnancy is also more common in this age group. So of the women having a baby, 48 years or more, 53% are having their first baby. And yes, of course, these women can still have a straightforward pregnancy and birth. But I can't help but feel when I see some of these women that we're just simply not biologically designed and built to have babies at this sort of age. Looking at the article I mentioned becomes very quickly apparent why. One of the interesting things about pregnancy in this age group is the high rate of assisted reproductive technology. So what that means is that many of these pregnancies are due to fertility treatments. 
And it's not clear to me whether it's the fertility treatment or the age that confers some of the very increased chances of complications. A study quoted in the article demonstrated that in women having babies aged 48 years or older, 78% of them had conceived using fertility treatments and 51% of these had had fertility treatment outside the UK. The other thing that's really important to note is that most of these pregnancies were egg donation. That's 91%. So it's interesting to consider how much of some of the complications may be related to age, egg donation and assisted reproduction. Of course, women that age, one of the reasons complications may be more common is simply they've lived longer. The same study found that 44% of women aged 48 years or older had a pre-existing medical condition compared with 28% of younger women. So it's not surprising if you've lived longer that you're a bit more likely to perhaps have diabetes, which we know is more common, particularly type 2 diabetes in later life, or have pre-existing blood pressure problems. And therefore, it ends up not being surprising that women are more at risk of complications from these during pregnancy. For most of the conditions that we're worried about, the chances are very different depending on whether it's a spontaneous conception or whether assisted reproductive technology has been used. For example, preeclampsia complicates 1.1% of natural conception pregnancies in this age group, but 12.6% of donor egg conceptions in women of advanced maternal age. The same is true of the possibility of low birth weight or preterm delivery. A spontaneously conceived pregnancy in a woman of very advanced maternal age has a 9.3% chance of birth before 36 weeks in comparison with a 23% chance for a pregnancy with assisted reproductive technology. And a low birth weight baby being 22% chance if the pregnancy was conceived by assisted reproductive technology in comparison with 7.4% if the pregnancy was conceived spontaneously. So how a woman has got pregnant is a very important factor in how we might view that pregnancy and the likelihood of complications. Early pregnancy complications are also an issue with a higher chance of miscarriage, potentially being as high as 53% in women of a very advanced maternal age. And as I've mentioned, many of the pregnancies being subsequent to assisted reproductive technology, we know that multiple pregnancy is more common as a woman gets older. And then this is compounded by assisted reproduction particularly if it's being performed abroad. 
Because in the UK, there are very strict rules about single embryo transfer to try and reduce the overall multiple birth rates because of the risk of prematurity. Sticking with maternal complications, one of the things that's interesting is the risk of bleeding. So bleeding after the baby's born, postpartum hemorrhage, has been shown to be the most statistically significant complication affecting women of very advanced maternal age, regardless of whether it's their first baby or second or subsequent baby, regardless of a single or multiple pregnancy, and regardless of whether they conceive spontaneously or with reproductive technology. I can't help wondering whether this is something to do with the way the womb muscle behaves as much postpartum hemorrhage is due to what we call atony, where the womb muscle doesn't contract properly. And I wonder if this is true as women get older, that the muscle could be less effective. Women with very advanced maternal age are more likely, four times more likely, to need a blood transfusion following a postpartum hemorrhage than a younger woman. So making a plan how to minimise the risk of bleeding needs to be discussed in the antenatal period as well as treating anemia and optimising that woman's blood count prior to birth. Caesarean section rates are also high in women of very advanced maternal age but more commonly in women having their first baby. They're eight times more likely to deliver by caesarean than women aged 30 to 34 but it's unclear how much of that is related to planned caesareans versus emergency caesareans. The figures suggesting that a woman of very advanced maternal age having her first baby is much more likely to choose a planned caesarean. And you can see why this makes sense because if a woman doesn't go into spontaneous labour and she's facing an induction, perhaps because of her age or she's developed a complication during pregnancy, it's much more likely that her planned time of birth is going to be required and that some of the risks and high chance of complications associated perhaps with an induction may be not as acceptable as going straight for a caesarean if this is potentially going to be that woman's only pregnancy. Women of very advanced maternal age have a 30% risk of antenatal hospital admission. This may seem a bit dry, a lot of numbers in a quite complicated document, but I think what I'm trying to say is respect maternal age. It's not that it's totally unimportant. We do need to consider how best to care for these women and help them navigate pregnancy and birth safely. I've certainly had women under my care in clinic, maybe 49 or even 50, who, despite our best efforts to do everything possible, complications have developed. And whilst at the end of it, the mother and baby or babies have been healthy. It's been quite a bumpy ride along the way. It's not straightforward, it's not to be taken lightly. 
having a baby at this age. I've already mentioned that from the baby's perspective, there's a higher chance of preterm birth in women of this age and also lower birth weight as well as higher stillbirth rates. All these risks may seem super scary and I don't want to put people off and make them think that pregnancy will be totally terrifying if they fall into these age brackets. Not one bit of it. But I want to try and explain a little bit the things that are going through my mind when I'm seeing a woman in my antenatal clinic and her notes tell me that her age is 47, for for example. And it's important not to be blasé. When I'm on labour ward and I'm looking after a woman in labour of advanced maternal age or maybe she's on the operating list for planned caesareans for that day. I have a healthy respect for that operation and I'm thinking in my mind what are the chances of complications, what may be happening and it's important to recognise and and understand that. Okay, what's my zesty bit? I think my zesty bit is, if you're a health professional, have a healthy respect for the age of the woman in front of you. Realise that women of very advanced maternal age, we do need to be cautious, we do need to be careful We do need to offer some extra appointments to make sure that those women and those babies are able to navigate pregnancy as safely as they possibly can. So be vigilant. She's much more likely to need admission at some point in pregnancy. So have a healthy respect for a woman's age. Try and make sure you don't alarm her. After all, there's nothing she can do about her age. She is the age she is. So don't terrify her with all these statistics and all this worry. But let her know that, yes, this is a pregnancy that we're going to need to watch closely and support her with. And we need to do that in a sensitive way so that we help her and her baby have the best possible pregnancy and birth and start in life that we can. As I've mentioned, many of these women will have had fertility issues and for some of them, this will be the end of an extremely long journey in trying to have a family. So we also need to be sensitive and and careful about that. And if you're a woman listening to this podcast... I appreciate it's not always possible to control the age you are when you have a pregnancy. But be aware, 25 to 35, optimum time, 35 to 45, pretty good. Over 45, then if you're contemplating pregnancy at that stage, make sure you are in the best possible shape you can possibly be first. Make sure you're a healthy weight. Make sure you're not smoking. Make sure you've done everything you can 
to try and make your pregnancy as straightforward as possible. And then make sure that you're working with the professionals caring for you to have the best possible, the safest possible pregnancy and birth. I remember way back in 1999 when Sherry Blair got pregnant at the age of 45, the shock people felt. And I'm sure that's something that people still encounter now. The women that come to me that are over 45. And although celebrities are out there getting pregnant at very advanced age. Also, let's think a little bit in the zesty bit about societal attitudes and what women that are pregnant at this age are possibly facing scrutiny from their family or their work. Aren't you a bit old to be having a baby? What does she think she's doing, maybe? I know sometimes I've been at fault thinking, looking at a woman in front of me, having a baby at maybe age 50, thinking, do you know what you're doing? Perhaps judging. And it's hard not to do that. We all have unconscious bias. I had my children when I was much younger. So the other bit of my zesty bit is be a little bit mindful how we're thinking about the age of the women in front of us and whether there's a bit of bias in all of us and in what they're facing that they're having to deal with as well. So the bottom line is age is important. The chances of complications are increased but we need to be sensitive, supportive and informative so that we help the increasing numbers of women giving birth age 45 or older the best possible care we can. I very much hope you found this episode of the OBSPOD interesting. If you have, it'd be fantastic if you could subscribe, rate and review on whatever platform you find your podcasts, as well as recommending the OBS pod to anyone you think might find it interesting. There's also tons of episodes to explore in my back catalogue, from clinical topics, my career and journey as an obstetrician, and life in the NHS more generally. I'd like to assure women I care for that I take confidentiality very seriously and take great care not to use any patient identifiable information unless I have expressly asked the permission of the person involved on that rare occasion when it's been absolutely necessary. If you found this episode interesting and want to explore the subject a little more deeply, don't forget to take a look at the programme notes where I've attached some links. If you want to get in touch to suggest topics for future episodes, you can find me at The Obs Pod on Twitter and Instagram 
and you can email me theobspod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.